All right, and after you've done that, remain standing as we pray together. Y'all know we always pray. Father, we just give you thanks for this day. Father, we give you thanks for a year that is drawing to a conclusion. We give you thanks for your blessings during that year, your hand of protection. God, if we could just see behind the curtain, we would know how you protected us this year. God, there were probably times where something happened around the house and it aggravated us and it made us run late. And God, because of that, we weren't in the accident that we could have been in. Or God, there may have been something that Satan attacked us with in our physical body and we never knew it because you went ahead and took care of it. God, you've been awful good to us. And so we're just thankful that we get to come here and worship you today. We're thankful that we get to join together as your people, as the body of Christ. God, I praise you this morning that I am not the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And we are here today to exalt and magnify his name, to think through how we can serve him better in the upcoming year. And so, God, we ask that your blessings would be in this service, yes. And, God, as we have youth and as we have adults who are in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they are worshiping you this morning, they're hearing music, they're hearing speakers, God, they're praying together, they are being challenged, God. I pray you would be in the midst of that. Your Holy Spirit would be powerful in that place. I thank you for the report that we had four students who came forward at the end of the service last night. And God, I don't know if that was for salvation or rededication or, or what that is, God, but you know. But I thank you that there was a move last night in the, in the first service. And God, I pray that that would continue. So be with us here. Be with our family, our church family that's there. Be with us as we step across the threshold of one year into the next. God, we want to give ourselves fully to you. God, we don't want to surrender three-quarters of ourselves or a certain percentage of ourselves. God, we want to be totally yours. We want to be completely sold out to you. God, I know I fall short. And I think if we all were honest, we would say that there are times that we fall short. We're in these broken and frail human bodies. And sometimes we're weak. But Lord, where we're weak, you're strong. And so God, we pray that more of your strength would be seen in us during this upcoming year. God, continue to bless this church. You have poured out your blessings here. We thank you for the unity that we have in this church. We thank you for the love that is evident in this church. We thank you that you have knit our hearts together. And God, that we can be a tangible, visible sign of the eternal church. God, we thank you for your presence here. Continue to speak. And above all, we thank you for Jesus and what he means to us. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
And it's in Jesus' precious, mighty, wonderful, majestic name we pray this morning. And Rushwood said together, Amen. You may be seated today. Thank you guys so much, so much for being here today. Um, this is always a challenging Sunday, the Sunday after Christmas. A uh, lot, lot has gone on. Those of us who stand before you on the platform, a lot of us are tired from things that have gone on. And uh, practice always for worship and stuff is hard to fit in. And so it's always a, a challenging Sunday. It's a Sunday, and this, this year we have lots of folks who are gone to the youth convention. And so we have done several different things to try to make leverage this Sunday more for the gospel and more for the kingdom. Um, we, we've done t-shirt giveaways with, with new programs. We've done all sorts of things on the last Sunday of the year. And so we're going to try something different next year. Um, I know that different scares some people. It doesn't scare me because I get bored. But uh, anyway, if you've looked at your church calendar of events, if you didn't pick one up last week, we tried to hand these out to everybody last week, and I think they were available on your way in this morning. If you haven't picked up one of these, I really would like for you to pick one up before you leave. Don't go get it right now, but on your way out, if you will grab one of these. We're just trying to highlight some of our big special events that are going to go on in the next calendar year. A couple of changes from things we have done before. You'll notice in January, Pastor Blake did a great job mentioning that, that uh, we're, we're going to have a Volunteer Appreciation Sunday. Now, we've had a volunteer appreciation dinner the last couple of years and that's been fun and that's gone great um, but we, we we felt like maybe we wanted to try something just a little bit different this year we want to honor our volunteers not just among our volunteers but actually among our whole congregation and so we're going to try instead of doing that on a Saturday night with, with a meal we're actually going to do it on this Sunday morning and so uh, that's going to be January 12th and uh, we're going to give all our volunteers a small gift, just a small token of our appreciation. I mean, how many of you know that if it's just myself and Pastor Jason and Pastor Blake and other folks that, that are on staff around here, if we're the only ones that do the work, this is not going to get done. There's just no way that that can happen. We depend on volunteers in our hospitality and in our security for our youth group, for our kids' ministries. We depend on volunteers, uh, our, our worship team so many different places and unless they come together unless the body of christ comes together it won't get done and so we are going to do our volunteer appreciation sunday we're just going to try this this year give a small uh, small token of our appreciation to all our volunteers and we're going to name our serve award winner which we have done for several years now and every year we come up and we start to, as leadership we start to talk about who should get the serve award and we always have three or four names that we think are extremely deserving and we try to only limit that unless people have worked together. We try to limit it to just one person per year. But we could certainly honor a lot of different people with our serve award. And when we give that award, it's basically a person who we think exemplifies a servant's heart in this church. But also they kind of stand for everyone who volunteers around here. They, they're kind of a representation of everyone. So you'll find out on Sunday morning, January 12th, who that person is. Uh, I think we've got a great person picked out this year that will ble hopefully bless their heart and bless yours. And so that'll be a little bit different than what we have done before. Also, if you have Rushwood kids, if you have children that attend here, we had tried to mark every place that they're going to be singing next year. 
so you can kind of go ahead and prepare for that. How many of you like when our kids sing, when our kids lead us in worship? So we got several places marked with that. We got a couple of places marked for our youth group. But probably the biggest change and the biggest swing that we're taking to try something different is actually in the month of December. And I wanted to go ahead and talk about this so if people had questions, I could answer them instead of other people who don't know what's going on trying to answer them. So it's actually Sunday, December 27th. You'll notice that's the Sunday, obviously, after Christmas. We're going to have online only that Sunday. I'm going to record a service for you. We're going to put that out online. We actually won't be meeting that Sunday morning because we're going to take that service and we're going to move it to December 23rd. We're going to bring back, how many of you remember Rush the Halls that we used to do at Sunset Theater? We're going to try something different with that. Instead of having it at Sunset Theater, which was great, but it was just a lot of work for our team to move all the equipment over there and get everything set up and do sound checks over there, we're going to do that here on December 23rd, Christmas Eve's Eve, if that's a, a term. Um, and we're going to try to do what we've done with Rush the Halls, have about an hour of almost a Christmas variety type thing, and then have an hour of sacred worship, me speaking and bringing a gospel message Statistics show that a person who is not in church is more likely, according to church experts, more likely to attend a night service around Christmas than any other service all year long. And we haven't had that for the last couple of years. And so we felt like this would be a better chance to reach the community than we do on the Sunday after Christmas. And so after Christmas, we're going to give all our workers a Sunday off. But before Christmas, we're going to try to reach the community in a new way. And so if this doesn't work, this will be the only year that we do it. But we're going to give it a try this year because it's not just about us coming in here and getting edified. It's also about reaching people for the kingdom. Amen? Levering, leveraging what we are, who we are, to reach people for the kingdom so they'll know Jesus Christ. So anyway, if you have further questions about that, I'll be glad to try to answer them. But we're going to try something. A lot of churches are actually going to this, going this direction, and finding it a lot more effective than just the, the normal December schedule. So we're going to see how that works out this year. I'm always up for trying something different if I think it will reach people for the kingdom. Well, this morning, I'm not going to bring you what I would call an exegetical sermon where we take a scripture and we break it down and I give you three points and the truth. You know, that's, that's not what I'm necessarily after this Sunday morning. So if you are here and you're a guest with us and you're checking out Rushwood, don't take this as a typical sermon, okay? This is not going to be typically what we do on Sunday mornings. But I think once in a while, it's good to just kind of cast a little vision to kind of give you guys some, some points of reference for where I think we need to head and things that I think we need to do where God is leading us. And so this morning is going to be more about that. I'm going to give you five things that I think God has laid on my heart. I believe he's laid on my heart uh, for, for myself and for the church and just kind of for focus in the year 2020. It's a, it's a thing anymore where pastors kind of give a word of the year or a phrase of the year as you go into a new year. And so I don't think we could have any word for 2020 except for focus. Somebody said this morning in our prayer time, they said, we're all going to have 2020 vision next year. It's coming. We're all going to be able to see new. And so just a little play on words there. I think our word for 2020 has to be focus. I think this church is, God has blessed us. We see new people all the time. We've had new people 
join our church family. I believe we're effective in the community, but I don't believe we're as effective as, as we could be. And so I think God wants to narrow our focus, refine our focus, maybe even give us a little bit more discipline as we go into the next year. Is, is there anybody besides me? Sometimes I struggle with being disciplined. Sometimes I struggle with doing what I need to do and getting the right routines and patterns built into my life. And I always think New Year's is a good time to try to do that. You know, I think 2020, I don't, I'm not, I don't think you have to be a prophet or a son of a prophet to understand that 2020 is going to be a wild year in our nation. I mean, am I being real with you this morning? We, we all know that there's, going, there's an election. It's already contentious, and that's not even here yet. We don't even know who the candidates fully are going to be, and we already have all this contention, and we have things that are happening I've just never seen before in this nation. It's almost like if you're a traditional biblical Christian, there's now groups out there who are saying, you're a bad Christian if you're what Christianity has been for the last 2,000 years. It's just, it's weird what's going on. It's strange. I believe Satan is on the attack in certain ways. I believe God is on the move in certain ways. And so we just know that this year may be a crazy year. But I know that God's going to be in the midst of it. It's one reason we sang that this morning. We're going to have that blessed assurance that God's going to be with us no matter what happens, no matter what comes our way. I believe 2020 is going to be a good year, but I believe it's going to be a year where there's going to be some things going on that, uh, that we, we're going to maybe have to deal with. Maybe we're going to be caught up in the middle of those even against our will. And so I think focus is a good thing to do. We need to refine our focus as we go into this year. So let me give you five things. Five things where I feel like we need to focus or refocus as a church or as a pastor or as people. The first one this morning is, I believe we need a prayerful focus. The church, and I'm not just talking about this church, but the church in America and probably the church in many places around the world lacks power because we lack prayer. And see, prayer, it's, I don't, I don't even know if I should use this term, it's hard to make prayer sexy. It's hard to make it something that sells, right? It's hard to, you know, you say, hey, let's come in and do a prayer meeting. And you, people are not like, oh, yeah, that'll be awesome. Let's come do a prayer meeting. It's not like that. Prayer is hard work. Prayer is hard work. Prayer takes focus. Prayer takes discipline. Prayer takes setting aside the things of this world and actually saying, you know what? Let's come in here and let's get down to business with God. Prayer is hard work. And so it's a hard sell sometimes, even to Christians. I mean, I've never had anybody in my life ask me, Brent, is your prayer life where it needs to be? And I've been able to answer yes. I always think it needs to be better. I always think I need to spend more time in prayer. I need to spend more time believing in God. I believe I need to be more focused in prayer. It's never where it needs to be. But at least I know it. At least I realize it. At least I don't say, yeah, yeah, I pray enough. No, I need to be more focused in prayer. I think we as a church need to be more focused in prayer. And I think the church in America needs to be more focused in prayer. God moves when his people pray. John Wesley once said, God does nothing except in answer to prayer. Now, if that's true, think about that. We receive not because we ask not. We don't ask, we don't knock, we don't seek, we don't, we don't desire God enough to go to Him. And so I, I want us to have a renewed prayer focus. And I don't want to reinvent the wheel. Last year we started a program called, uh, or a movement, that would probably be a better term than program, Pray Together 123. Anybody remember that? 
Okay, I see some of you still wearing the T-shirts, so I know that, you know, at least you remember the T-shirts that we gave out, black T-shirts, white letters. And what we were just simply asking you to do is once a week, that's where the one comes in, once a week get together as a group of two or three believers and pray together. Now, I had a group, my partners in my group were, were Blake Henson and Jason Kendrick. We, were, we had a prayer team, we had a prayer triad going on. We will tell you right up front, we didn't meet every single week. There were some weeks we missed. There were some half months or three weeks we missed. But consistently, we would always call each other back up and say, hey, we haven't, we haven't met. We need, to, we need to get together and meet. We need to pray together. And so we spent time praying for each other, talking about each other's needs, praying over each other. And I believe there's power in that. I've had one of the most blessed years I've ever had in my life, and I believe part of the reason for that is praying with these two guys. And so I want to encourage you this year to get into our Pray Together 123 program. And it's an organic program. I mean, you guys pretty much have to set it up on your own and make it happen on your own. Because, look, the pastor shouldn't have to do everything for you. Sometimes you've got to do things on your own. But if you don't have a prayer partner, we can help you this much. If you don't have a prayer partner and you want a prayer partner, we got a sign-up sheet right in front of Tim back there. Tim's in our sample. Hey, everybody wave at Tim, by the way. Say hey to Tim. Do you appreciate him running sound for us basically every week? I'll just say this guy is in here when you're not here. He's in here working on things, trying to make our sound better, taking courses on sound to try to learn how to run things better. He does an amazing job for us, and we're so glad that he's part of our church family. But right in front of him, there's a sign-up sheet on that black table. And if, if you're interested in finding a prayer partner, if you'll put your name there, we'll try to put you together with some folks. You say, well, what if I don't know the people you put me together with? Well, you will. If you'll meet with them, if you'll pray with them, you'll get to know them, and they'll become some of your very best friends, I promise you, and God will work in the midst of that. I got a quote for you on this prayerful focus. It says, nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. As Christians, a lot of times I don't think we're as close to each other as we need to be as brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the reasons for that is we're not praying together. We're not seeing each other's hearts in prayer. And so this is a focus that I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to, to pray individually by yourself to work on your prayer life. But in the New Testament, God most of the time moves when believers get together to pray. Old Testament, it's one person praying. Moses is praying or Aaron is praying or somebody is praying, one individual person. But in the New Testament, God moves when believers get together, when the body of Christ gets together. And so this is kind of a refocus. We started this last year, but I want to refocus you. We need to be a prayerful people, and I pray that you would get to be part of Pray Together 123 that we're doing here. The second focus, this is a personal focus. The Lord has laid it on my heart the last few years, guys. We have done a Bible reading schedule, and we gave you a card, and it had journaling with it, and we did what we call the SOAP method, where if you've been part of that, you know about all that. And so if you've done that, you've read about a quarter of the Bible a year, and you've journaled a quarter of the Bible a year, and that's great because sometimes I think we need to take time and we need to savor God's Word, and we need to just kind of sit there and let God's Word ruminate. But this year, God has really laid on my heart that we need to, as a people, 
read through the entire Bible. If you've never done that, and I've talked to several folks around here, and they said, yeah, I've never read through the Bible in a year. In fact, I've never read through the Bible in my life from cover to cover. This needs to be the year. I really feel like we need to focus on this. We need to plug into reading God's Word every single day. And so we gave you a Bible reading plan. You don't have, and again, if you didn't get one of these, they're out there on your way out. You can pick one up. This one breaks it up, and we did this several years ago. We used this plan. But it breaks it up where you read the epistles on Sunday, you read the law on Monday, history on Tuesday, Psalms on Wednesday, and so on and so forth. So you don't get it bored just trying to go straight through because I don't know about you, but it's kind of easy to get through Genesis. And then you get through the first part of Exodus and you're like, okay, I like this, Moses, plagues, sea parting, all that. And then you start to get toward the end of Exodus. And then you get in the books after that, and then all of a sudden, you, some of us have probably read Genesis 40 times, and we've never read anything else. We've never got much further than that. So this breaks it up, and it gives you more of a chance not to get bored with it, to be able to focus on reading God's Word every single day. A.W. Tozer said, We must not select a few favorite passages to the exclusion of others. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. Let me read that last part again because that was really good. Nothing less than a whole Bible can make a whole Christian. It amazes me. I talk to, I talk to people. I see po posts online. I talk to people who are part of this church. And it's sometimes I think, man, you guys should know that. You should know that. There will be a, a, a subject come up or a question come up and People get the wrong answer on it. I'm not talking about Bible trivia, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about life subjects, how to live before God, how to live a holy life. And I think, man, you should know that. But it occurs to me, I only get like one hour every week, and sometimes not even that, to try to give you guys some encouragement from the Word and try to teach you from the Word. If all you know about the Word comes from me, do you know how long it would take me to teach you all the way through the 66 books of the Bible? I don't know either, but the answer is a long time. It, it would take a long time. You guys need to be reading it on your own. You need to be in it every day. I just saw a study, and it's linked on my Facebook page if you're brave enough to go on there. But if you'll, if you'll look back, uh, just, I don't know, a couple of weeks back, I posted a study that said the game changer, the way your life is changed in reading God's Word if you are only in God's Word one time a week, it doesn't change things a whole lot for you. If you're only in God's Word twice a week, it does not change things a whole lot for you. If you're in God's Word three days out of the week, three times during the week, it changes things just a little bit. It moves the needle just a little bit. But they said what was amazing in this study, if you're in God's Word at least four days, four times a week, it changes everything. Your health is better. Your mental health is better. Your spiritual life is better. You overcome temptations more. Your faith is better. Depression goes down. Everything is better if you're in God's Word at least four days a week. So I want to encourage you to be in God's Word seven days a week. If you miss, if you miss the mark and you fall into six or five, hey, you're still doing what you need to do, and you're still getting God's Word into you so it can get into your life. I believe God's Word is powerful. I believe it's true. I believe it's God-breathed, it's Spirit-breathed. It is something from beyond this world. Something from beyond this world. It's something spiritual that we need to have in our life every single day. 
2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. If you've been in church, you've heard these verses, but try to hear them again. Try to hear them anew. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know why there's some good works that you can't do? It's because you haven't trained yourself in the Word. But if you train yourself in the Word, you'll be able to do those things. You'll be able to do those good works that God is calling you to do. And so I want to encourage you. And by the way, at the end of this year, at the end of this calendar year, we're going to have, and I don't know how this is going to work yet, what it's going to look like, but we're going to have something to honor all of those who make it through the Bible in a year. I think that's worthy of honor. I think that's worthy of, uh, of a, at least an attaboy. So I don't know exactly how we're going to do that, but we're going to have something to honor you guys. But you need to make your mind up now because New Year's is almost here. And on January 1st, you need to start diving into this and reading this and being part of that. So I want to encourage you, make 2020 the year that you read all the way through the Bible. At least one time in your life you can point back and say, yeah, I, I read through all of God's Word in one year and it changed my life forever. I promise you it will if you'll commit yourself to it. So that was number two. Number three, a pastoral focus. I'm about to say two words that nobody says anymore. I'm about to say two words that nobody wants to hear. I'm about to say two words that are, are biblical, though. They are part of what we're supposed to do as church leaders. People don't talk about this because, I'll be honest with you, they're afraid if you talk about this, they're afraid if you practice this, people will leave your church and go to a church that doesn't do this. But if God's Word says we're supposed to do something, then what should we do? We should do it. If God says do it, we're supposed to do it. And so my pastoral focus for the, this year, for me and the pastoral staff, is church discipline. Church, like I said, churches don't practice church discipline anymore. Most Christians, a lot of Christians, have never even heard of church discipline. But Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 18 what we're supposed to do in regard to church discipline. And it says in Matthew 18, verses 15 through 18, oh, I feel you guys getting nervous, but it's okay. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But but if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to li listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Let me stop right there. How, did they, how are we supposed to treat people who are outside of the church? We're supposed to love them. We're supposed to pray for them. We're supposed to engage with them. And so if somebody wants to be part of the church but doesn't want to act in a Christian way, then that's how we're supposed to treat them. Continue to love them, pray for them, work with them. And it says, Truly I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what this won't look like is this. You're not going to see me going on witch hunts. I ain't got time, nor do I have the desire to go around and try to be the holiness inspector for everybody's life. I don't want to try to figure out what's going on wrong with you. I got enough of my own battles and my own struggles without trying to get into that. Ain't nobody got time for that. But if I see somebody who's been a faithful part of our church, especially if you're a church member here, and I see you going the wrong direction in your life, 
I am no longer going to just pray and hope it works out. Because I don't think that's truly loving in the end. If I see you going the wrong direction, if I see you starting to miss church a lot, you know, if you miss church one Sunday, I don't worry about you too much. If you miss church a couple of Sundays in a row, I'm going to start to worry about you a little bit. If I don't see you for three Sundays, I want to know something is going on, especially if you've been faithful. I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to, I might just shoot you a message and say, hey, been missing you at church. Is everything okay? This church is small enough still that we can do that. I can still have that sort of thing. If I see you making bad decisions in your life, and if you make bad decisions in your life, you know what you're going to do? You're going to post it up on Facebook so everybody else will know about it too. If I see that, I'm going to, I'm going to send you a message and say, hey, I love you. What's going on here? You know better than this. You know better than that. It's what we're supposed to do, but as church leaders, we have not done that because we're afraid we're going to offend people. But we have to get to the point where we're more afraid of offending God than we are offending people. And we all need help every once in a while. And likewise, if you see me go astray or you think I'm going astray in some manner or you think my attitude is bad or I've been too harsh or whatever, you have every right to come to me and say, Brother, I love you, but I don't like that attitude. It doesn't seem like it's a godly attitude. You have a right to talk to me and try to help me along the way. Because what's my point in this? We need each other. Too many of us are trying to do this Christian thing by ourselves as long ranger Christians, and the devil is just picking us off one by one. We're supposed to have leadership. We're supposed to have community. I'm going to say the bad word. We're supposed to have accountability. We're supposed to hold each other accountable in love and always seeking to re restore, never in judgment, because if I point a finger at you, guess what? I got several pointing back at me. So we have to be careful about that, but that's one thing I'm going to focus on this year. I'm not just going to overlook things, but I'm going to approach you in love and say, hey, let's go where we need to go. Or maybe it's just spiritual dryness. It could just be a spiritual dryness that comes into your life and it becomes evident. I'm going to come and say, let's work on this. Let's get through this. We're going to have to help each other as we go along. So that's number three. Number four, oh man, we know what 2020 is going to be about, uh, by and large. A political focus. I'm going to encourage you, if you're not registered to vote, get registered to vote. I believe as Christians, we're supposed to have a voice. Now, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. Now, if you listen to me long enough, I'll tell you, look, if you're a Christian, you can't support such and such. You can't support this movement. You can't support this thing. You can't support this ideology. I will tell you that up front, and I'll, you know I'm not shy in talking to you about current issues of the day. I'd probably be liked a whole lot better if I were more shy about that, but I'm not going to be shy about that. I think if the man of God can't take the word of God and speak it to the people of God, then how are we ever going to know God's mind on certain issues, on certain topics? We've been quiet too long on too many things. So I'm going to encourage you get registered to vote. Vote in the elections that are coming up this year. Have a voice. Have a voice. I, I hear people say all the time, well, Christians shouldn't be involved in politics. You know who started that line? Satan. Satan don't like that. Satan doesn't like for Christians to be involved because if God's people are involved, we actually change things. And hopefully if we're attuned with the Holy Spirit, then we're going to help guide things in the right direction and in a direction that glorifies God and loves people. People say we shouldn't be involved in politics, but the word politic actually comes from the Greek word that means cities or people. 
And as Christians, we have to be involved with people. We have to have a voice. We have to speak out. You know one of my strong issues is life. I'm never going to be quiet about that. As long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to speak out on that issue. I believe that we need, and if, some, if people don't like it, well, they'll have to get over it or, or be mad at me. I don't know, but we're going to keep going on that. I believe as Christians, we're commanded to love God and love people. And in order to do that, we have to have a voice in this society. So I'm going to encourage you, get involved. Get involved. Register to vote. Vote. Speak out on what you believe is the truth. Speak out on what you believe that the Bible teaches, and I will try to help you and guide you along the way. That may not be popular, but I'm not running for any office. I'm just trying to follow God. I'm just trying to follow Him and serve Him. So that was number four. Number five, a parish focus. A parish focus. Now, if you don't know what a parish is, it's a small administrative district typically having its own church and a priest or pastor. That's the definition, the textbook definition of a parish. Guys, this church originally was called Rushwood Park Method, let's see, Wesleyan Methodist Church. That was, a, that was a mouthful. We've shortened the name since then. But the reason this church was named Rushwood Park, and we dropped the park lately because that was kind of confusing to people, but this was called the Rushwood Park community, the Rushwood Park community of Randolph County. And this church in 1950 was started to provide a place of worship for the Rushwood Park community of Randolph County. Specifically, men came to a, a pastor named Paul Tigg and said, Paul, we need a church in this community. People in this community need a place that they can worship. They need a church for this community. And so this church was called Rushwood Park Wesleyan Methodist Church, and then eventually this church was called Rushwood Park Wesleyan Church, which is still the legal name. But now we go with Rushwood Church because people can actually remember that, uh, especially people who aren't churched. The original impetus of this church was to be a blessing to this community. And I'll be honest with you right now, guys, we do have some folks that attend this church who live in this community but I see a church that's disconnected by and large from this community. This community has changed over the years. At one point it was a very, uh, if you can have a suburb of Ashboro, but uh, it was almost like a suburban area of Ashboro or a, a, just a small community outside of Ashboro. And it was uh, very middle class and, and very just, just normal and typical. But this, this community has a lot of problems. You guys aren't here every every day you drive in here on Sunday mornings and a lot of times on Wednesday nights but those of us who work here day in and day out we know that there's a lot of problems in this immediate community we believe there's drug use we believe there may even be selling of drugs going on in some of the areas of this community we've seen other things that just lend us to think there there's not the greatest stuff going on and by and large the people right around this church we're not reaching them Unless they had a tie to this church in years past, we're not reaching this community. We're disconnected from this community. And I think there's a problem when the church in a community is disconnected from its immediate community. It's kind of like several years ago, I, I was in Cherokee. And as we were driving through, you had the casino, and no, we didn't go in the casino in Cherokee. Don't get that rumor started. But you had this beautiful casino, and you had all the... the attractions and everything right around there 
and you drove like a mile away and all of a sudden you saw people living in shanties and people living in broken down places and there was a lot of poverty and it was very obvious that the the amount of money that was going on in the casino and in those attractions was not filtering its way into the community I don't want our church to be like that I don't want there to be a great church in the middle of this community that does not affect this community in a positive way because we're gospel people we're good news people and wherever we go, I believe that we're supposed to affect the community. We're supposed to affect the people around us, the polis around us, the, the areas around us. And so I don't know, guys. I don't have the answer for how we start to make inroads into blessing this community and reaching this community and having a relationship with this immediate community. And look, if you're not from this community, I'm glad you're here. I'm not saying, hey, we're about to kick you out and we're just going to focus on this area. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, as gospel people, we need to be a light in this neighborhood. We need to be a light in this neighborhood, more than just the light that shines on our steeple at night. We need to be a light in this neighborhood, and we need to show, shine the light of Jesus Christ to our neighbors around us. I don't know. I don't have a plan. I can't give you ten steps or five steps or whatever for how we're going to do that. I just know we need to start making inroads. I know, that, I know that we need to get to know our neighbors. I know that we need to at least go out and invite some of our neighbors to church. We've done it before. We need to do it again because I believe we're supposed to be an influence here. And so I want us to have a parish focus. I want us to have a, a focus on the Rushwood Park community again. If they never come to church, that's fine. At least let them know that there's a group of Christians that love them. At least let them know that there's a God in heaven who loves them and cares about their situation. If they see us drive in on Sunday mornings and drive in on Wednesday nights and we never have anything to do with them and we never tell them that Jesus loves them, we're missing, the, we're missing things somewhere. We're missing the boat somewhere. We're the only church that's right here in this neighborhood. There's a church on this end of the road, a small church, and there's a church on the other end of the road, a small church. But we're the only church right here in this neighborhood, and I want us to take ownership of this neighborhood. And say this is our, not in a bad way, in a good way. In a good way of saying we want to love the people who are here. We want to be a light to the people here. And if that sounds tough, yeah, that's probably going to be tough. But we need to start praying about it. We need to start f focusing on it. And so that's going to be one of our focuses for 2020 is to start reaching this community and loving this community. I've seen churches do a great job on that. And I want us to start doing a great job on that again. So that's it. That's the five focuses I wanted to give you this morning. That's the five things I want us to talk about. It's not a grand scheme, and it's not totally reinventing the wheel, and it's not like we're going to go a whole different direction than we've been going before. That's not what we're talking about this morning. What we're talking about is refining focus, trying to get to a place where God is leading us, where we can be more effective in our personal lives. I can be more effective as a pastor. We can be more effective to this community. Because I've said this before and I'll say it again, I believe time is getting short. I believe time is getting short. I don't know how long it is until Jesus says, you know what, it's, it, I, I'm coming back. Okay, I'm coming back and then all things will be set into place. And our time is now. I know that we need to take advantage of the time that we have. The worship team is going to come and lead us in a closing song. And maybe this morning you need to pray about your Bible reading. Or maybe this morning you need to pray about your prayer life. Or maybe you just got a burden on your heart as you go into 2020. And you just need to lay that down to the Lord and put it at his feet. Maybe you just want some time to focus on God. 
But this morning as they lead us in this last song, this area is going to be open up here. This area is going to be open for prayer. It's going to be open for you to come and you can kneel or you can come and you can sit on the front pew or you can just come and stand and worship. But we're going to open this area up. Don't be bashful about coming. It's not that God is any more present up here than he is in the pew where you are because God's everywhere. But there's something about moving out. There's something about stepping out and saying, you know what, I do need something more. I do need a fresh touch, or I do need more discipline in my life, or I do need more love in my life, or whatever. And so I'm just going to invite you to come, make a move, step out, and just seek God's face this morning. I'm sure that probably what I said this morning didn't stir your hearts in any way like, like to come up here, but maybe there's something that God's already doing, already talking to you about. Maybe there's a need that's already present in your heart and in your life, and it would be a great time to come and seek Him before this year comes to a conclusion. So as the worship team leads us, just know the altar is open. This front area is open for worship and prayer. Let's stand together.
Father, we bring all our needs to you. Lord, you know the need even before we speak it. Lord, you know the need even before we have it. You declare the end from the beginning. No other God is like you. And so, God, we declare today that we need you. We declare today that we want to surrender more and more of ourselves to you. God, if we've been lukewarm in 2019, I pray that that would not continue into the new year. That you would set us on fire in such a way that people would come to watch us burn and they would come to know about you. God, our selfishness, our pride, and our self-seeking, Lord, we lay it all at your feet. Because we want to be used in a new way. And we want to know you more. We want to know you. We, we want to serve you for you and who you are. And so, God, as we end this year, the last service of this year, we just lay ourselves at your feet. We are yours, Lord. Do with us as you will. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the blessed assurance that Jesus has saved us. And, God, if there's somebody here this morning that does not know you, God, I pray that would not last through the end of the week, that they would come to know you as Savior through Jesus Christ. Thank you for meeting with us, God. You're always faithful. We love you. We praise you this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things, and we all said together, amen. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it.